0: Right. On Sunday night, I have been preaching on the subject of walking with the Lord. And the Lord has moved upon my heart to deal with that this morning. And that's why I'm picking 2 Corinthians chapter 5 on the subject of walking by faith. And the Bible says that without faith, you and I cannot please God. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is... And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Have you noticed in the word of God when you find something and you come across a passage where it talks about walking with the Lord, there's usually something connected to it that says not or don't do this, right? Connected right beside it. For example, you know, when we talk about, um, uh, walking, um, circumspectly, he says not. As fools, and he said, "Not unwisely and not in excess, and when he talks about walking in the spirit, he says, "Walk not after the flesh says that twice, actually in Romans chapter number eight and so here in second Corinthians five notice this verse, and this verse has been quoted by many people, and sometimes many times out of its context, so we have to We have to search the scriptures around this great uh, verse that really is a pinnacle to us. And verse number 7 says, For we walk by faith, and there's that not again. He says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And so let's, let's do some research around this verse and let's examine our lives this morning. And instead of examining somebody else's life, let's examine our own if we are walking by faith and not by sight. As I meditated and studied on this passage of scripture and on this message, I was greatly encouraged because I believe that many of you in this congregation walk by faith and not by sight and you give yourself very little credit for how much you do exercise your faith in God. Because sometimes you read too many uh, biographies and autobiographies of people who have done, quote, great things in history. But the ones in Rome, in Hebrews 11 were people just like you and me that had circumstances and crises that came along. And, they, and, of course, that faith was manifested. But it was that daily faith that God was looking for in their lives. And I want to show you that. In the, here in verse number 7, let's read it again, then we'll pray. For we walk by faith, we walk by faith and not by sight. Father in heaven, I pray you'll help me today to encourage your children. And Father, help them, I pray, as they examine themselves and judge themselves, that they might, Lord, be encouraged by what they see. And Lord, if they're disappointed in what they see, I pray you'd challenge them to rearrange some things in their hearts and lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now to appreciate this verse, you're going to have to go back to chapter number 4, for that's where he begins this subject. In chapter 4, look with me if you would there, in verse number 13. One of the manifestations of people who walk by faith can be seen, or should I say heard, by their confessions, by their confessions, by what they say. Whatever's in your heart eventually is going to come through your mouth. And uh, the Bible says here in chapter 4, verse number, uh, let's see, verse number 13 it is, chapter 4, verse 13. Paul is referring to the to the faith of David, and he says in verse 13, We having the same spirit of faith, and really that's what it is. It is a spirit, it's an attitude that affects your decisions. Right. And the Bible says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and he's quoting a psalm. He said, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So if you are a believer today, If you have begun your journey with God by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you can go back to a place and time in your life where you know that you have repented toward God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have begun your journey of faith. And really, that wasn't even your choice. It is, I'm talking about the choice of your journey by faith. It is a journey of faith, whether you realize it or not. And you're going to begin that journey. And it is manifested at the very beginning by what you confess and what you say. And one of the reasons why we say this here is because the Bible makes it very clear. Now let me ask you a few questions and see if you've begun your journey. What you truly believe and what you embrace in your heart is going to come out of your lips. Truly, it's going to. Not what you've prepared yourself to say when somebody you know is going to ask you a question. But I'm talking about when you're just relaxed and you're sitting around the table drinking a cup of coffee. And what you truly believe and you're relaxed with that individual and you're actually saying what's in your heart. What is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. It's going to be, it's going to come forth. And so listen to yourself. If somebody in your family who is unsaved, if they were to question you about your hope and your your thought about eternity and things of life and death, what would be your answer to them? Well, if you believe the Word of God, you're going to confess. An individual and certain things about that individual because salvation is in an individual. It's not in a plan. It's in a person. And you're going to confess that John said you would say this. He said you would testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now can you say that sincerely? From your heart. If we were to bring you up here and hand you a microphone and say, Hey, what do you really believe? About God? About salvation? John said, you would testify that God the Father sent God the Son to the world to be the Savior. The Savior. Not a Savior, the Savior. Pretty narrow. He said also that you would confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said in Romans ten nine. he said that you would confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And that you actually believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. That in, and in doing so, in calling upon Him, that God would grant unto you His great salvation. So you have to ask yourself, have I even begun the journey of faith? Because there are many little gods out there, but there's only one true and living God. And he manifested himself to mankind through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, no man can come unto the Father except by me. I don't have any problem saying that to anybody at any time. How about you? Do you hang your head, and do you fumble, and do you mumble, and do you say, well, I'm not sure? Then we need to talk to you after services. We need to help you begin your journey by being born into the family of God. Being born again into the family of God. So we talk about our confessions, and he says here that, that uh, again, he said in chapter number 4, he said there in verse number 13, he said, we also believe and therefore speak. So our confession is a revelation of our faith to other people. But the second thing here I want you to see is in chapter 4, also in verse 13 and 14, because it has to do with our confidence. Faith, walking by faith is expressed by our confidence. People sometimes throw rocks at us, not literally, thank God, but They criticize us because sometimes we actually say with confidence that we know some things. That we know that we are saved. That we know if we die that we will be absent from the body but present with the Lord. That bothers some people. They say you can't really know. Well, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ by faith into your heart, You call upon Him and you begin to confess Him before men. You'll find great confidence growing in your heart that Jesus Christ told you the truth. Notice what He says here in chapter 4 verse number 13 and 14. He says, we having the same spirit of faith. And I believe in this congregation, those of you who are members of this assembly, I think we have the same spirit of faith. And he says in verse 14, knowing. See, there's that confidence Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. And I say that with confidence. Look in chapter 5 verse 1. He said, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, and he's talking about, he calls your body a tabernacle. Sometimes he calls it a house. Sometimes he calls it a temple. And he says, if we know that if our earthly house, talking about this body, were dissolved, and one day it will, because it is mortal. Right. He said, we have a building of God, not referring to an apartment, but referring to a new body, Brother Bradley. He said, an house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Now, I am greatly, greatly confident that my mortal body will be laid down in the grave if the Lord tarries. And I am greatly confident that God shall raise up that mortal body and change it by His power into an immortal body. Now, I'm interested in that. And the Bible says here, He says in verse number 2, For we groan in this body earthly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. What a blessing. Look in verse 6. Talking about the confidence. He said, therefore we also, excuse me, I'm sorry. Therefore we are always confident. Now Brother John, he didn't say sometimes I'm confident. He said, I'm always confident. Why? Well, he says we're always confident. Knowing that. Whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say. And willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now that's some pretty great confidence. Now I'm not interested in somebody taking my life today. I'm not interested in committing suicide today. But when my time comes, and if the Lord allows me, I'd I'd like to just step on over into eternity knowing with great confidence that if that occurs, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm sure about that. I am sure about that. You say, well, that means if I were to threaten your life, you wouldn't be afraid? Well, I'm sure that my flesh would draw back from that. Because a human body is made to survive. And it will do everything it can to fight to survive. You fall in the water, you're going to do your very best. I mean, if you don't even know how to swim, you'll be swimming like a dog best you can to get back. uh, I remember one time how dumb this was as a teenager. I think I was about 13 years old. And I was with my cousins. First time ever in my life I went to a... Public swimming pool. Always swam in the lakes and the ponds and the creeks and the rivers. Just playing around. It was always knee deep or waist deep. Didn't really know how to swim. Just played in the water. And we went to this public swimming pool. And it was a high dive. And they said, "Uh, we're going to jump off there. We bet you won't. I said, well, you know how young boys are. They're stupid. And I said, okay, I will. So I climbed that ladder. I get up on that. I climbed that ladder, get up on that little, and that board looked about this wide from the ground. But when I got up there, it looked about this wide, like I was walking the plank. Now, I promise you, I didn't know how to swim. But my pride and my ego said, if they you know, if they can do it, you can do it, and besides, there's a bodyguard here somewhere, you know? A lifeguard, not a bodyguard. Man. I walked out there, scared to death, stepped off that plank, Went straight down. I thought it was going to drown. And when I got up, I did not know how to swim, but I'd heard if you just dog pedal, you'll survive. And so I started dog pedaling. It took all my might, all my strength to get back to the edge, which probably wouldn't, but from out here to about right there, it probably took me 10 minutes to get to it. But I survived. I'm saying that my body did not want to drown. Something kicked in. And buddy, it did everything it could to survive. And I'm not interested in crossing over today. But I'm saying if my time comes, there's some things that are worse than death. Amen. And I am confident of that because I'm a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, there is nothing worse for you than death. Because there is no hope. There is no hope. And if you'll notice here in our passage here, we talk about confidence. All right? Confidence. We're talking about being persuaded. You'll notice here again, in verse number 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. He said, this is important here. He said, we are persuaded. Are you? Do you have confidence? Do you talk like that? Do you walk like you have some confidence About this. You know Abraham said. About that. Being persuaded and having confidence in God. The Bible says he was strong in faith. Being fully persuaded. That what he had promised on that God. He was able also to perform. He believed that. The patriarchs. I love this. Absolutely love it. They said. The Bible says these all died in faith and I might do the same, and you may do the same. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And the Bible says and uses these words, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And the Bible says, for they that say such things, there's that confession. They that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. The Bible calls it a better country. The Bible calls it a heavenly country. And it says, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. So, What is God looking for? He's looking for somebody who will believe the word of God by faith. Who will believe the Bible by faith. And who will give their heart to Christ and embrace the promises of God. And knowing that death is but a step away. Knowing that it is but a moment away. Yet we have that confidence that, that, that we believe that the Bible is true in this area. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Do you? I know whom I have believed. I haven't believed my grandfather or my dad or my brother. But I have believed in the Lord. And the Lord cannot lie. He said, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded. I am persuaded that he is able. To keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? The day of judgment. What day? The day of judgment. And the day of the resurrection. I am convinced also concerning the saints at East River Baptist Church. We comfort ourselves one another with such words. Do we not? When we gather together for a funeral, and the Lord knows we've had plenty of those around here over the 28 years I've been here, of all shapes, of caskets and sizes, ages, we have wept together, we have grieved together, we have sorrowed together, we also have comforted one another with these words. The Bible says, the Lord himself shall descend one day and reveal himself. The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise. The Bible says that. And it says those that which are alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with them and the Lord. We confess that. And in confessing that, we have great confidence that it be true. I know that sometimes when you're in deep sorrow... That you really don't want anybody talking to you. Have you ever been in deep sorrow? Have you ever grieved over something seriously and you just wanted people to leave you alone? There, there is a time to leave people alone. But then also there is a time and a word fitly spoken, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. And there is a place and time for you to remind somebody of the promise of God And to say it with some confidence that you believe these things. And by the way, I think it would be a good thing if you were to comfort those who were trying to comfort you. That you would say forth with your own mouth. I believe that I shall see him again. And I believe that God one day will raise him or her from the dead. If you believe these things, you can live with confidence in your heart and in your life. Well, I tell you what, it's a terrible thing to lay down at night not knowing what's going to happen to you if you die in your sleep. It's a terrible thing to know. And by the way, I do know what's going to happen to you if you're not saved. I may have more confidence in your future than you do based on what the Bible says. But the Word of God does tell us that we have a promise from Him. And we can, therefore, we can speak this and we can live with this confidence in our hearts. But I want you to notice something else in chapter number 5, in verse number 7. This is important. While I confess the Lord Jesus Christ with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that God has raised Him from the dead. And I have called upon Him, believing that He would keep His promise, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe those things. I've experienced those things. I have confidence that He kept His word and brought great peace into my heart, that I have been reconciled unto Him through the death of His Son. And I am confident that he will keep his promise that if I happen to die before he returns, that he will one day raise my body from the grave. I am confident of that. I am. But it also, by faith, it brings me great concern. You'll notice in chapter number five and verse number seven, he says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Notice carefully he says, For we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Notice what he says in verse 9, Wherefore we labor. Something is motivating him to get busy. In his confidence, the Bible says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. This has nothing to do with my salvation, my eternal destiny. It has to do with what have I done with my life since the day that I got born again until the day that He takes me home. Someone said that life is but just a dash between two dates on a tombstone. This is true. And what you do with that dash is going to determine a lot of things that you're going to have or not have in eternity. You say, well, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to have a mansion, and I'm going to live it up. I'm going to tell you something about eternal life. It's not going to be sitting by a creek fishing all the time. God's got a great economy and a lot of things going on in eternity. And those who believe the Word of God and who believe the truth, who labor for Him and love Him, they're concerned about that day when God brings His children before the judgment seat of Christ to be held accountable for what they have done with their salvation and the gifts that God has placed within them. Those of you who think that it's a waste of time to get up on Sunday morning and go to church or be involved in a local church. You see all the faults of it. You see all the fragments of it. But you don't see what's going to happen on the other side of your dash. That one day God's going to hold you accountable. for. Well, If you saw all of this, why didn't you try to be part of the solution? Why didn't you step up and try to make a difference? Why did you just run and hide under the cloak of criticism of those of us who are disappointments to you? Amen. amen. Won't look too hot at the judgment seat. Well, Lord, I didn't get involved in any engaged. Because, Lord, you know how so-and-so was at that church? And the Lord's going to say, well, what about you? Well, I'm just telling you, look what he says. He's concerned about this. He said in verse number 10, for we must all appear. He's talking about Christians. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Again. Brother Craig, this is not to determine my destiny. But it is going to determine much of what's going to happen during the millennial reign of Christ and what other things occur in eternity. That's right. He even says that if we will serve Him now, we will have a chance to rule with Him in the future. Wouldn't that be interesting? The Bible says here, now look, look, look what He says, verse 10. You see, if you believe this, this ought to concern you. If you walk by faith, it should concern you that you're going to be held accountable for your life. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body. See, you say, well, I just want to get what I deserve. Oh, you will. You will, you will. But God's going to judge you, and, and not for the purpose of harming you that day, but for rewarding you that day. This is the day of when God is going to reward you for your service and your labor and your sacrifice and your giving and your time and your energies for making a difference. Trying to serve and do the best that you could in spite of your circumstances. And when he talks about, look in verse number 10, he says, "...the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad." Do Christians do bad things? Unfortunately. But what he's referring to there is the fact that you're going to suffer loss. You're going to suffer loss. Did you know? Are you aware? Do you read your Bible? Do you believe it? That according to Second John, the shortest book in the Bible. So if you want to pick a book to read and you don't want to spend much time, there it is. Only one chapter. Did you know in that book, He says, here's what you're going to do to earn a reward, and here's what you're going to do to lose a reward. And it has to do with whether or not you are going to have something to do or join up with people who teach Untruth, false doctrine, and errors about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, If a man does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he is not of God. And if he does not say the same things about Jesus that the Bible says about him, the record that God's left of his Son, he says, Do not bid that man or that woman God speed. He said, if you embrace that person, give that person an offering or bring him into your house and you say, Godspeed and God bless you, I hope things go well for you. God says, "Um, I'm not pleased with that. Because what you're doing is exercising some unbelief instead of faith. Faith in the body of truth. That God, truth is exclusive. So illustrate that for me, Brother Roger. Okay, I will. Because some of you, you get, I say some of you, I don't. We preachers say some things that we generalize too much. I don't think that hardly anybody in here would think this. I hope not. But let's say, for example, like one day this has really happened. One day somebody was at our back door and I opened the door and there were a couple of people there and they were Jehovah's false witnesses. And they were promoting their doctrine. And they were handing me their material. And I said, I'm sorry, I cannot take your material. And I cannot bid you Godspeed. I cannot say, even say to you, God bless you. Why would I bless somebody that is spreading poison? If a man came to my house and he's poisoning all my neighbors, would I say, come on in the house and let's have a cup of coffee? Why would I do that? And so it is when a man... Or a woman brings me something that denies that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. And so I can't do that. And God says, if you do embrace that, in other words, you can't be ecumenical. You can't be tolerant of everybody's beliefs and think that you're spiritual and walking by faith. You can't do that. That, why do you think some people were burned at the stake? Why do you think some people were dipped in oil and set on fire? Why do you think that some folks suffered greatly and were imprisoned? It was because they disagreed doctrinally with people. Now, if you believe the Word of God and you walk by faith, you're not going to be the aggressor. You're not going to be the one that puts people in the oil. and You're not going to be the ones burning the folks at the stake. As you know better. That's not what Jesus would do. But our concerns are, and I am concerned about me standing before the judgment seat. Yes, yes. I wish, I hope, and pray, I am blessed that we have as many young people in our church as we do. I am, thank God, we have a lot of young adults in our assembly. You young men, do you understand your value? Do you understand the adversary comes after you first? Do you understand that when the doctrine of Balaam in the Old Testament was to send the young girls down, he said, talking about the heathen, the heathen said, he said, you send them young girls down there by the border, and those young Israelite boys will see those pretty girls, and they'll cross over, and those young girls will bring their false doctrine into their home, and before long, they'll be worshiping idols. And that's never changed. And that doctrine is mentioned in the book of Revelation of the church, of the doctrine of Balaam. It is bringing things in that are simply because young men do not understand their value and the value of truth and the value of that Bible. But I thank God for young couples in here who do believe the Word of God, who understand the importance of it, and who want their children reared in a church that will confirm the things that they believe. But we walk by faith, and we have this concern of facing the judgment seat of Christ. Are you aware? Are you aware? One day, if you're a believer, that we'll stand before the Lord, are you aware? Hebrews 13, 17. And I don't know how he's going to do this, but it greatly concerns me. And the older I get, The older I get, the more it concerns me. That I will stand before God and I will answer for what I have said to you and how I said it. And how I lived it. You will stand before the Lord and you will answer to God for how you received it. And how you responded to the truth. And the Bible says that you don't want it to be an unprofitable day. You want it to be a joyful day. Amen? Amen. And I thank you. I thank you for your labor of love. I thank God that you're, you're, you're wanting to pull the cart, not push the cart the other direction. I thank God for that. And so the Bible says, Paul says in verse number 10 that we must all appear. Now, our Sunday school teacher this morning did a great job. And he quoted out of Romans 14. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. But out of Romans 14, he makes it very clear that, that one of the things that displeases the God is when you, you get your nose in too many other people's business and you try to have everybody else live exactly like you and your personal preferences about certain things. And so you judge one another, and you condemn one another, and God says, they're not going to answer to you, they're going to answer to me. And He says, I want you to use your influence to encourage and instruct in the ways of righteousness. Now when you say that, it doesn't mean anything goes. But it does mean that you and I need to be concerned about how we deal with each other. Look in chapter 5, verse number 15, and I'm done. Some of you are walking by faith because you realize that there are two worlds. There is a visible world and there's an invisible world. When I say an invisible world, I'm not talking about one that is imaginary, but it is invisible. And it was here before the visible world got here. And it'll be here when the visible world is over. I ask you to look in verse number 13, but before you do that, would you back up to chapter 4 and look in verse 18? He said, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Do you read that again? Let me read it. Slow down. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the invisible. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And he's referring to the eternal world, the other world that we're planning on being a part of. And so, if I live by faith, you'll be able to tell by my confession. I will confess the Lord Jesus. I will confess Him as the Lord. I'm not going to wait till I get to the other side and be forced to bow my knee and confess Him as Lord. Brother Doug, are you willing to confess Jesus Christ is the Lord? Well, that takes faith to do that. Did you know that? You're walking by faith when you're willing to say that and mean it from your heart. Are you confident that God is able to raise your loved ones who have died before you from the dead? That takes faith to believe that. Because you're 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 basing that on an old book. That's all you've got it to base on is an old book. You are basing your you've only got a little bit of time here. And you only got so much time, energy, and treasure to invest in something. So you can throw it away on the temporary or you can invest it in the eternal. You have a choice. Now the scripture says. This ought to concern us. That we shall stand before God. And give an accounting for our life. Man I tell you what. Ooh, I sure hope the Lord will look, look, look upon me with mercy. Because you know what he's going to do? He's going to check my motive. For why I did what I did. That's going to be the first thing that passes through the fire is my motive. Why did I do what I do? He's going to even examine my methods. Did I do them biblically? Some churches are interested in dramas and skits. And smoke coming out of the podium and around the pulpit area and Plays and dramas and movies, and God says, I have chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe. And the message must not be changed. It is the preaching of the cross of the Lord Jesus. It is a, do you believe, Brother Tony, that it is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners? It takes faith to believe that. This is going to impact my conduct by faith, if I believe it. The reason some of you are not interested in anything that has to do with the Bible, church, or God, maybe you've been disappointed, maybe you've been hurt, but really the bottom line is, is that you don't believe God. Because we've all been hurt. We've all been disappointed. You say, well, not as bad as me. Well, I know if we both smashed our fingers, yours hurt worse. I understand that. I really do. There's not a child of God that's walked with the Lord has not been deeply hurt, bruised. You're not going to get off this round ball of dirt and water without some scars. I'm looking to the other side. I'm getting closer all the time. But I embraced it when I was 18. I started on a journey when I was 18. I believe by faith that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe by faith that my mother and my father and my brother and my daughter are going to be raised from the grave. I shall see them again on the other side. I believe that. I believe that I shall see Brother Ronnie Cooper and Brother Harold Coker. Those of you who have not had the blessing of knowing these men. What a blessing these men were to us. Sister Osborne graduated just about a month or so ago. She was about 125 when she passed away. No, she was in her 90s, though. Godly woman. Her funeral was a blessing. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I I preached your funeral. By the way, you're talking about experience. I got there. Nobody told me that I was supposed to preach the funeral until I got there. Yeah, wow is right. (laughs) But you know what? The Lord blessed Brother Kenny and Miss Abby were there. I just had to get over five minutes. God, what you want me to do? He said, "Here, hey, listen, you've been preaching for 40 years. Surely you can find something to preach today. And so the Lord did. And God blessed. But Brother Kenny was there. Wasn't wasn't that funeral a blessing? It was a message of hope. That dear lady, I'm saying that I believe those things. I hope you do too. But it should affect my conduct. now look quickly up in verse number 15. It says this, chapter 5, verse number 15. This this side of the grave is where you need to forgive, make reconciliation with people, get things done on this side, this side, so that you won't suffer loss at the judgment seat. This is your opportunity now to get involved in a local church where God works and minister to others in spite of our faults and our failures. Verse 15. The Bible says that we believe this, and it affects our conduct, and it says, and that He died for all, that they which live, talking about Jesus died for all, that they which live, that's us, should not henceforth live unto themselves. So if I'm walking by faith, I understand I am no longer to be focused just on me, but on others. And I am to live unto Him which died for them and rose again. Now he's talking about not just looking inside the church now, but looking outside the church. To be others oriented. For to live as Christ is what he's talking about. You'll notice looking outwardly, he said in verse 16, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Look at verse 17. He said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18 says, Because that you, that you love Christ and Christ loved you. Verse 18 says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us. To Himself, by Jesus Christ, my salvation is based upon the works of Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, our conduct now is going to be looking outward that other people need to be reconciled to God. Verse 19... To wit that God was in Christ. I love that verse. Reconciling the world unto Himself on the cross. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You say, well, I don't understand all that stuff. What do you mean by that? Well, Brother Kim, it means that if I were to sit down with a man and drink in a cup of coffee or a a glass of iced tea, that I could open up my Bible and with confidence I could tell him that he could be reconciled to God by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in verse number 21, It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us. I can tell any sinner this with confidence. My conduct should be that I'm thinking about other people besides myself. I'm a beggar that found bread telling another beggar who the bread is. And he says in verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us. No matter who you were talking to. Can you do that with confidence? Can you tell your son and daughter that Jesus will save them? The Bible says in verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this is going to impact my conduct. Why do I go? Why have I gone to church over forty something years? Why? Is it because I don't have other things to do on Sunday. Hey, I like football, just like some of you do. I like fishing more than most of you do. I certainly sometimes, you know, would like to be, especially after I've struck out on Sunday morning preaching. I might well just been fishing somewhere. Why go to church? Sister Abigail, why? take? You've got a good job. Why spend your money going to the mission field a couple of times? Why do that as a young person? Why do that? Why do that unless you believe that everything I have told you is true, that you're willing to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, He is your Lord and Savior. Well, I'll tell you what, it would be a... It'd be, it certainly would be probably a problem if I did this, but if I just brought one of those micro, microphones around and just say, okay, what about you? What do you say about Jesus? What do you really believe about Jesus? Really believe. When you're talking to your friends and your buddies and there's no pressure on you, nobody else is around you, what well, do you really believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? What do you really believe about the Bible in heaven? What would you say with your mouth? Because what's in your mouth? It's coming from your heart. When when there's no pressure on you. Amen? Amen. And I'm asking you, if you died today, if you died on your way home, car accident, you know, we live by faith every time we drive around here. True? It's a risk. It's a dangerous place we live in. Not maybe by your driving, but by other people. But seriously... If you were to die for whatever reason, do you understand that you're crossing over into a world that's unseen, but it's real? Are you confident that you, to be absent from your body is to be present with the Lord? Those few moments before they put me asleep, before they did open-heart surgery on me, became real to me. Because I knew I may not come out on the other side. But if I didn't come out on the other side, I knew I'd be okay. That I would be on the other side. Amen? Amen? Find great comfort in that. So did my children. You shouldn't die without people knowing where you're going. We don't want our children leaving the house unless we know where they're going. I don't, Cindy doesn't go, leave without me knowing where she's going. I don't leave without her knowing where I'm going. Don't, don't leave this world without your family knowing where you're going, having to guess where you are. The old rich man? Rich man died? He went to hell and didn't expect to. And the Bible says a rich man died and went to hell. And nobody else expected him to. You know why? Because a rich man said, would you send somebody back to the house and tell my brothers about this? Because they didn't expect him to be there either. I'm just simply saying, need some confidence where you're going. It ought to concern everybody in here. Whether you are sitting in the stands, watching all of us, the rest of us. That's what some of you are. You're just observers. You're like the people that go to a football game and you pick everything apart, but you don't ever get on the field and get your nose busted. But you know how to Monday morning quarterback. You know how to coach, but nobody hires you. So you watch and you criticize and you condemn and you complain and you murmur about the church, but you never get in there and get with it. As a child of God, God's going God's to say, okay, I gave you a chance. Did you know if you're a child of God, God gave you something we need? He gave you a gift. We need it. Serve him with all your heart. Right. Amen. Serve him with all your heart. Ethan, God wants young men. Audrey, God wants young ladies. Don't wait until you're 60 years of age and 70 years of age, unless that's when you get saved. That's different. Don't wait until you've already used up all that dash and then give him what's left over. Don't be like the eraser on the end of a pencil when you've already used the pencil up. Say, okay, Lord, here it is. And let, listen, I'm looking at people, I know you walk by faith. Your conduct shows it. You give, you go, you serve, you love, you forgive, you overcome. Because you know you're just a pilgrim passing through. And we're looking to the other side. All those letters up there on those walls, some of you visitors that don't know what's going on up there, it's not that we're some kind of fan mail club. Every one of those letters represents a man or a woman, a man and a woman that's on the field preaching what I just preached today so that people might be born again and saved and not go to hell in all the countries around the world. And we give hundreds of thousands of our dollars to invest in that. So we work on our used equipment because we put other money in the plate to get that gospel around the world because we believe it. We do. It'll affect your conduct. It'll affect everything that you do because we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, if I walked by sight, I'd have quit a long time ago. If I walked by feelings, I'd have quit a long, long, long time ago. If I served the Lord because of how I've been treated, I'd have quit a long time ago. Adrian Rogers said that faith is not altered by appearances. And he said faith is not fettered by feelings. Nor is it limited by logic. Faith is believing what God says and hanging on to it. And living accordingly. Making your decisions on it. As a young man, when I heard the gospel for the first time, it shook me to my foundation. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And I somehow knew in my heart that what I heard was true. And truth does does resonate with a man who's honest with God. It does. And you say, well, it doesn't do anything for me. Well, it could be that maybe that you're not seeking after the truth. That you're not interested in the truth. No more than a thief is looking for a police officer. Amen? Doesn't mean it's not true. Church, let's walk by faith and not by sight. If you're here today and you've never been saved, I want you to be. You can be reconciled to God today. You can know that you're saved. Know that if you die, you're going to heaven. If you're a child of God, you feel like you've gotten off track and you're walking by sight, I encourage you to get back on track. Ask God to forgive you. Now let's do one thing before we go. I'm going to ask you to stand with me.